Welcome to services from Winfield Free Will Baptist Church, located in Winfield, Alabama, where we believe the fullness of God is real in our lives. We appreciate you listening and pray you'll continue to do so and that God will richly bless you and touch your life through His Word. Now, let's join Pastor Kent Nelson as he brings God's Word. Turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. We're going to study God's Word for a bit tonight, of course, and then we're going to have a prayer time afterwards. Uh, And so we want to turn our attention to the Word of God, and it's going to be in Daniel chapter 3. I'm going to begin tonight by sharing not just the Word of God, but a testimony and a story that happened to me on Monday. I don't know what your Monday was like, but mine was full of blessings because I had a chance to go to the hospital and, and visit Miss Norma Atkinson. Now, 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 some of you might not know Norma. Let me just say, uh, Miss Norma uh, has been a longtime member of this church, but over the last several years, she just hasn't been able to come. She is on our shut-in list, but, but many of you do. For those of you that know Miss Norma, you know that she is a precious, precious soul. I went into room number 326, I believe it was, um, on the third floor at Winfield Hospital, and had a chance to meet with her and, and pray with her. But it was the 15, 20 minutes that I spent just talking with her that really started me on this journey of this Bible study tonight. So I want to share with you what happened. I go into her room, and uh, she obviously is tired and worn. Uh, Miss Norma is a very prim, proper, put-together lady, and you rarely see her uh, with her hair not completely fixed and all that that entails, and, and, and makeup and all that, that she does to make herself so beautiful and presentable. But that morning, of course, she's in the hospital. But, but her hospital stay has, hasn't been a normal one. If you've been keeping up with our, our text, you know that uh, she has been in ICU for about six to seven days. She's now in a regular room. And she began to tell me, and I, and I wrote down some things that she said that I want to share with you tonight that begin the thoughts of tonight's Bible. So I was talking to Ms. Norma, and she said this, there were three days there, preacher, where they thought that I wouldn't live. She's got COVID, had COVID. Pneumonia. At the time that she went into ICU, a UTI, urinary tract infection, a lot of things going against, now watch me, an 88-year-old woman. Three days. They were telling me they didn't think I was going to live. And she began to to tell me her heart and and, and her desires and her prayers after she told me her predicament. And and, and she didn't remember a whole lot. I said, Miss Norman, do you remember uh, the days when I came to see you? No, but I said, I was there. I know you were very, very sick. And she began to tell me her prayers. This is one of her prayers. She said, I prayed for healing. I prayed for help. She said, I called out, now listen to this, I called out to my maker. I put my life in his hands. Think about that. I called out to the one that made me. He knows me better than the doctors and the nurses ever could. And I I, I reminded myself, oh God, I am in your hands. I prayed for healing, she said, but I understood I'm in God's hands. She she told me this. She said, preacher, 
I told the Lord, I, I don't want to die. She said, but I told the Lord also that I'm not afraid of death. And she said, Lord, just do what you desire to do. And then she said it again. I know I'm in God's hands. Folks, I was moved. She was telling me this without a tooth in her mouth. Her teeth had been removed. She didn't have her false teeth then. She told me this with the most frail sounding voice. And yet, in that moment, I saw a woman of incredible strength. Now, now here's what I began to think. Now, follow me. This is going to be a different kind of lesson. This is just coming out of my heart, out of a, a testimony of Miss Norma Atkinson. She, she's living in, in a fascinating balance of faith. Think about it. A fascinating balance of faith Trust, a balance that Bible-honoring, faith-holding, prayer-honoring Christians, they, they, they have it. And, and it's, it is something that uh, they embrace and they operate with. This is balance. Listen, it's a kind of balance of life that shows a maturity that we indeed can have faith enough to move mountains. Now watch me. But sometimes mountains don't move because it's not time for God to move them. Understand? It's not that faith is ineffective or God is powerless. That's not what we're talking about at all. It's the acknowledgement that God sometimes has greater plans than moving that mountain in front of us. And that's what Miss Norma was saying. I believe in God. I have faith in God. I believe in God's healing power. And ultimately, though, I'm in God's Hands. And it reminded me of a story. Like I'm telling you, and this is just a word of a testimony tonight. It's a story of two ladies. Look at the screen uh, in front of you behind me. It's the it's a story of Minka Henskamp and Margaret Morgan. You probably don't remember the names of these ladies, but if you were around in 1974, most of us were. You're going to recall the story. These are two ladies that had ministered as missionaries in Thailand for over a decade. And, and their missionary ministry was so different than what we're ordinarily used to. They worked, listen, in a leprosy clinic. And what did they do? Well, they spent their days, I wrote this down, scraping leprosy sores, bandaging up bandages or, or the sores and dealing with the putrid stench of leprosy. One man was so moved, he eventually became a believer in Jesus Christ. He was so moved that these two ladies would sacrifice their lives, come to Thailand and hold his nasty leprous feet in their lap and love him through it. Here, here's a story about Minka and Margaret. On April the 20th, 1974, a stranger came to the leprosy clinic insisting that these two ladies come up into the mountain. There was somebody that was in need. And what you need to know about the story is this was not a good time to be a missionary in Thailand. There were a lot of political forces that were at work. Uh, the, there was a Muslim group that was looking for more liberation and they were fighting up against the, the Thailand army. And so there, there, was a, there was a tension between the two groups and these two ladies become political pawns and the mission organization understood it when 
they received a letter. Here's what the letters were. Two letters arrived at the missions organization. They had been kidnapped. One letter was from Minka and Margaret explaining that they had been kidnapped, but they were doing well. They were still praising the Lord. Man, what a wonderful letter that must have been. But the other letter was greatly concerning. The other letter was a ransom letter requiring and asking, demanding half a million dollars in order for these missionaries to be released. You know what began to happen? Maybe you remember this. This is why I'm saying you might not remember their names, but you might remember the story because millions of Christians all across the world began to pray for Minka and Margaret. Oh God, we pray that you will deliver Minka and Margaret. Oh God, I pray that you will protect. Oh God, I pray that you will deliver. Oh God, I pray that you will help. And there was prayers after prayers, passage after passage that was prayed over the, seemed like the Christian community around the world was praying for these two missionaries. Oh God, deliver them. A year later, word came out. A man made the confession that he was the one that had taken the gun and had shot and killed both of those ladies. They found their skeletons in the mountains. Think about their lives. You see, the thing about their lives is the fact that God had a, a greater plan for His glory than the, the, the liberation and the setting free of these two servants. They were delivered. They, they were. If you think about it, they did enter into the presence of the Lord, and He said to them, Well done, thou good and faithful servants. And then and, and God's glory was manifested. Millions have been inspired now and touched by the story of Minka and Margaret. And, and follow me, God was doing something beyond what Minka and Margaret and the missions organization could see and the millions of believers that were praying for deliverance. God had seen something different, a greater plan for their life, for their ministry, for their service. Instead of ministering to a handful of lepers in Thailand, they ministered to the world through their lives. And so I just want to draw our attention to these three words I showed you at the beginning. Number one, here, here's what we believe. We believe that there is an element of faith that is an expectation, right? Here's faith's expectation. God, in our situations, God, we believe. God, in our hurt, in our suffering, in our pain, in our need, in our prayers, God, we believe that you will heal. God, we believe and hope and pray for you to overcome in our circumstances and in our lives. This is the prayer. This is the wonderful expectation that our faith gives us. Do we believe in an almighty God? Say amen. Do we believe in an all-wise God? Say amen. Do we believe in a God that sees and knows all? Say amen. And this is the essence of our faith's expectation that we are never, ever outside the gaze of a loving and an all-powerful God. And even in the worst of our circumstances, in the darkest of our days, He is watching over us. And we pray for deliverance. And we pray for healing when we're sick. And we pray for a deliverance from cancer and from all of these things. And we pray that God will overcome. Greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. And this is a wonderful dimension of our faith. It's the dimension of faith that Margaret and Minka had. It's the prayer that they prayed. But there's also faith's 
trust. Out of the lesson is expectation, trust, and resolve. That's the second point of it. Faith's trust. God will do what is ultimately best for us and most glorifying of him. Amen? That God sees the beginning from the end. He sees our life from its beginning to the end. He sees our life interwoven in that complex tapestry of faith, not just in the individual expression of our faith and faithfulness, but in his kingdom plans. And he is able to take our circumstances, our lives, and everything that we are, and to orchestrate that for our best good and for his greatest glory. And that's why Minka and Margaret, listen, they were praying like millions of others, oh God, deliver, oh God, may you deliver us from the captors. Oh God, remove us from this harsh situation, God. We have been kidnapped, we have been taken advantage of, deliver us from the evil that is around us. But at the same time, they're praying for God's greatest glory. And so while they were praying faith's expectation, they were also praying faith's trust. God, ultimately, I trust you to do. And then here's the third element of our faith. Faith's resolve. I will be faithful to him no matter what. Preacher, that's, that's well and good, and I like how you wrap that up in the story of Norma Atkinson and how she has had that kind of faith, that she has an expectation of an all-powerful God to, to help her, to heal her. Uh, she also knows that ultimately she is in God's hands, and she has that element of trust, and she has a resolve no matter what. Thank you for that story. Thank you, Preacher, for the missionary story. Enjoyed the pictures. Enjoyed the story. But is it biblical? That's what we're going to look at tonight. So let's go to Daniel chapter 3. I'm not going to read the entire chapter. I'll tell you the story, and I'll build us up to verse 16. In Daniel chapter 3, in verse 1, you remember that King Nebuchadnezzar has created a golden image. He has created an image in which he expects those that are the citizens of Babylon to bow down and pay homage and worship. But the problem is that many of the pagans of the city, they don't mind. As a matter of fact, they love the idea of bowing down and worshiping their leader. But there are some that do not. There should have been much more, but there were three in particular, probably four, of course, including Daniel, that would not. Their names in the scripture, well, we're given their Babylonian names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know that song, don't we? They wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't burn. Man, that's some good alliteration, isn't it? Wow, what a song. But it is a song based upon a reality of Scripture because here's what Nebuchadnezzar did. He created this golden image. He said when the music is played, when the satrap, the lyre, the harp, all of that, the trumpets are blown, here's what you are to do. You are to bow down to this image. Three men that were told in Scripture refused. These men are reported to Nebuchadnezzar. They are brought into his presence by the way, there had been a warning. If you do not, you will be cast into the fiery furnace. And they knew the consequences, but they still stood strong. They came before the king, and the king looked at them, and he says, boys, perhaps you didn't quite understand. Uh, boys, perhaps you didn't know that when I said bow down, if you don't, you're going to be cast into that fiery furnace, and eventually he's going to pipe it up seven times harder than it was originally piped up. He says, men, understand the consequences. 
Ah, here we are, verse 16. They have stood strong. They have not bowed down. And they're in the presence of Nebuchadnezzar. And this is what they say. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Verse 17. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Uh, you know how verse 18 starts, don't you? Three great words. But if not. But if not. King, our God is able. Our God can deliver us, and God will deliver us out of your hand. O king, understand that. We will not bow down to you, nor any gods of Babylon. But if he does not, but if not, let it be known, king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. That, that little phrase, but if not, I want to just think about it for just a moment. Some have looked at that phrase and they have said, well, you know what, that's a part of a declaration there, isn't it? There's two declarations of faith. Our God can deliver, that's one. The second declaration of faith is our God will deliver us out of your hand. And then there's an incredible statement of defiance. God, no matter what, no matter what, King, we will not serve your gods. We will stay faithful to God. And yet they take those three little words, but if God, and they but if not, and they criticize them. They said, well, look at the great robust statements of faith that they said before. And then they criticize, but if not, as somehow as if it's watering down the declarations of faith. But it's not. Those three words are no less a statement of faith than our God can, our God will. They are not statements of doubt. They are statements of absolute faith. Now listen, let me explain it to you. But if not, look, is a faith-filled acknowledgement. Here's what they knew in their mind, that God has the right, God has the power, and God has the wisdom to achieve his glory in a way we don't perceive or understand. Now follow me with this. In other words, king, stoke the fires as much as you like. King, play the song as many times as you want to. Send up your servants and polish up the gold and make it a little bit shinier. Say it a little bit louder if you will, but we're not going to bow down. We will in no way serve other gods than Jehovah God. He is our God and he can deliver and he is the God that will deliver us out of your hand. King, we don't know exactly how. Maybe here's what they thought. Now follow me. Maybe their minds, well, maybe they thought of Jericho. Maybe in, in that moment when they declared our God is able, maybe they had an expectation that there was going to be a great earthquake. And, and God would later do that, obviously, in Philippi and release uh, who? Paul and Silas in prison. So, so maybe God was going to do something incredible through an earthquake. Maybe. Maybe that was their thinking. Maybe they thought, well, maybe it's going to be like Enoch. Enoch walked with God and he was no more. Maybe somehow God is going to miraculously transport us from here to another location. He did that later in Acts chapter 8 with the Philip the Evangelist, and certainly he could do it here. And maybe that's what they're thinking. But they don't know. 
Here's the point. They don't know what's going to happen next. We have the beautiful hindsight, 2020, of knowing the end of the story and, and reading into it, but they, but they don't know at this moment. Remember, they're still there in the throne room where, where, where the, the fiery furnace is nonetheless, and they are, they, are, they are wondering what God is going to do, but it doesn't matter. Our God is able, our God can, and our God will deliver us out of your hand. What they were saying is simply this. We might not have it figured out in our minds, but our God is so glorious and so powerful that he might not deliver us in any kind of expectations that we're thinking about. He might decide to elevate himself and bring glory to himself in ways that we're not imagining. And by the way, I don't think those three Hebrew boys had any inclination about what was about to happen. They were operating purely on faith and trust in God. Faith's expectation. Faith's trust. Because they simply said, but if not. But if not, look at the second statement. But if not is an expression of faith that embraces the infinite wisdom of God that is far beyond our understanding. If he doesn't deliver in the way that we have an expectation, in the way that we have hope, it doesn't matter. Why? Because he is greater in knowledge and understanding and beyond our imagination and his power and his creativity. But if not, so be it. Whatever God chooses to do. If he chooses to deliver in the way that we have expectations, praise be to his name. But if he doesn't, praise be to his name. They're in the area of faith's trust. Do you see it? Remember, faith's expectation was our God can, our God will. Faith's trust was, but if not. And here's faith's resolve. We will serve our God. We will not serve other gods. We will be faithful to God no matter what. Here's my encouragement to you. I ask the Lord, Lord, how, how are you trying to apply this to our church, to our life, where we are in, in our faith, in our walk, in the life of our church? And this is what I begin to think. I love the Exodus chapter 17 passage that we preached on this past Sunday morning. Love it. Because it reminds us of the power of prayer. It reminds us of the power of faith's expectation. It reminds us of the position that we have in Christ. That we are above principalities and powers and mights and dominions and every name that is named not only in this world but that which is to come. And there is a sense of emboldenment and there is a sense of absolute rapturous joy knowing that's that who we are in Christ. And we have the power of prayer at our hands, in our hands. But I don't want to give the impression to a congregation that that means every mountain is suddenly going to be miraculously moved. Sometimes it takes more prayer and more persistence and God removes the mountain. But sometimes we have to understand the element of our faith absolutely teaches us that we hold on to faith's expectations. God can, God has power, God can heal. We have faith's trust. But if not, if he chooses to deliver and do things in a different kind of way, we must have faith's resolve. I will still serve him. I could not help, Danny, 
to think of this. Anybody know what this is? Yeah, this is a little book that was put out by Home Missions on the life of Randy Wright. You know what the title of this book is? Brother Danny does. He put it together. But if not. I decided to go back and read some of it because the Lord was just, just doing a work in my heart these past few days. It's February the 10th in Brother Randy's life. It's a Saturday. Um, there's a wedding being planned. People in his church are getting married. At this point in his, his cancer, Randy is still trying to find out how bad he really is. You know he, ha he knows he has cancer. He has went the previous day to get a scan. He'll find out later on in the next week what the results are. He's already made a great impression upon the people at the hospital. This church has rallied behind him. And listen, that Sunday, February the 11th, he preached Daniel 3, but if not. I was moved by these words, and I thought I'd share them with you. His outline was very simple. There is a personal relationship. Our God can deliver. A connection with God, a belief in God, a hope in God. People that serve God have a great right to be able to trust and to hope in his power, in his might. And then he talks about the deliverance. He will deliver. Sometimes he will deliver from death and sometimes he will deliver through death. His second point talked about exactly what we talked about here tonight, a passionate resolve. These three Hebrew children had the confidence of faith and a humble submission to the will of God. If, but if not, and he, he made this note, and I want to make it tonight too. If he doesn't, it doesn't matter. Why? Though he slay me, Job chapter 13 and verse 15, I will serve the Lord. He's still God. He's still God. And we're going to serve him no matter what. And then his final point was this, and I'll leave you with this application, then we'll pray. That turns into a peaceful reassurance. Who entered into the fiery furnace with the three Hebrew children? Oh, it was uh, even the Son of God. Jesus Christ entered into the fiery furnace. You will enjoy his presence. You will enjoy his presence no matter what. And the only thing you lose is the fire. In the fire is that which binds you. In other words, they were tied up, and what was consumed in the fire, the ropes that bound them. They were set free through the difficulty and the hardship. Church, let me just remind you. We have an expectation of our faith. We believe God can. We believe in his power. We pray for healing. We pray for these things. We believe in it, and we have a trust in him. God, we don't understand it all, Lord, but we trust in you. But if not, we will have that resolve that we will always serve you no matter what. So as we enter into our prayer time tonight, here, here's what I want to ask you. Hold on to faith's expectation. Believe, trust that God knows best, and have a resolve 
that no matter what, you will serve him. Amen? Amen. Let's have a word of prayer, then we'll pray. Father God, we thank you for our time together tonight. Lord, we want to have a faith that is biblical. We want to have a faith, Lord, that is rooted and grounded in you, Lord, that has a balance. Lord, it holds things in tension. Lord, the tension of your power and your might and the tension of your will and your provisions, your providence. And God, we don't understand it. We don't want to understand all these things. We see through a glass darkly, we're told. But God, what we can do is we can trust in you. And so, Father, tonight, Lord, if our trust has been a bit diminished, if our hope has been a bit diminished, if our courage has been a bit diminished, may we see these Hebrew children standing firm, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, saying, God can, God will, but if not, I'll still serve. So, Lord, help us to grow in our faith tonight. Jesus, all God's people said, Amen. You've been listening to services from Winfield Free Will Baptist Church. We're located at 1960 U.S. Highway 43 in Winfield, Alabama. We'd love to have you join us live in person if you're available. Sunday school begins at 10 a.m. each Sunday with worship services at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. and Bible study every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. If you'd like to support the ministry of Winfield Free Will Baptist Church or you'd just love to send us your questions, comments, or prayer requests, feel free to mail us your love offering or correspondence to P.O. Box 866 Winfield, Alabama 3559. You can also give by texting 256-344-3648. Follow us online. Just search for Winfield Free Will Baptist Church on Facebook, where we live stream all of our services. Again, thank you for joining us.